0: Je Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D. E. Morris, a full cast production, narrated by Conrad
1: Hetzer. Ashton had long since lost all feeling below her waist. The cold crept up her legs and gripped her thighs and hips, setting them ablaze in an icy pain. She was weary as she and Kinnaid moved through the underground passageway that was their escape route. Her arm was tired from holding up her torch, and she switched hands, glancing at her sister as she did so. Soft golden curls were matted and wet, and Kinnaid hadn't spoken for a while. Ashton fully expected a complaint or two at least, but there had been none, and she was starting to worry.
0: It can't be much further, Nadie. We'll be out soon."
1: Kinnaid nodded but didn't speak. She too was tired of wading through cold water and holding up a torch. For a while, the passageway had gone straight, and both girls were optimistic of a fast opening into the forest. After the first turn, they were even surer of their escape. Five turns later, six, seven. Their optimism had severely diminished. Ashton had promised they would soon be out so many times that Kinade's nodded reply was now mechanical. She knew Kinade was only moving because she was following her. If Ashland stopped, as she desperately wanted to, Kinade would sink into the water and be done for. They came to a three-way split where the water was shallow and offered a small island of rocks to the right side of the tunnel ashthan sloshed her way over, and Canade did the same. Both of the girls were exhausted, and managed to curl up against one another on top of the rocks and sleep. The torches shoved between the cracks to give them light and warmth. When they awoke, it was impossible to tell the time and whether it was night or day. Canade held her torch high and looked at her sister.
0: Which way, Lenny? I don't know.
1: If she was figuring the turns correctly, they had been heading into, or even under, the mountains.
0: It would help if the water had a current or was moving. But the water
2: is moving.
1: Ashton looked at her sister, confused, then followed the blue-eyed gaze to the left tunnel. Lifting her torch higher didn't show her what K'nade was seeing at first but then the water did indeed move not in any certain direction but rippling and swirling like something had surfaced and gone back under canade made a small sound like a whimper and moved closer to her sister as something swam past her legs linnie in a quick protective movement ashton put her younger sister between herself and the wall both of them facing the direction of the rippling water Farther back in the tunnel from which they'd come, a half-seen shape jumped from the water and made a slap like a fish throwing itself against the wall. Aston realized she'd been holding her breath and exhaled.
0: Stay here.
1: She moved in the direction of the sound, Canade very close behind, ignoring the order given to her. Nothing could be seen in the limited torchlight and the waters were so dark that it was impossible to tell what had made the sound.
0: I don't know what that was. A fish, maybe?
1: Canade shook her head vigorously.
2: That was no fish.
1: She glanced behind herself, making sure the wall was still close by. Turning to get a better look, she narrowed her eyes and reached out with her free hand.
2: Whatever it was... It It's here. Look, the wall is all wet. Canade, don't!
1: The idea hadn't formed quickly enough in Ashton's mind to figure it out before, but now she grabbed Canade's hand and pulled it back, just in time. The droplets of water, stationary until that moment, now sank into the wall, as though being absorbed by a sponge. In the same instant appeared the head of a beast, scales black and blue. Shining exactly like the water on the wall had. Eyes white and sightless. It spat, hissed, and snarled. Canade screamed, pulling her hand away from her sister and into herself.
0: Easy. It's a water dragon.
1: She pulled Canade back so that the creature would stop sputtering. His head wasn't large at all. The size of a small horse at best.
0: Can you understand me?
1: The dragon blinked his empty eyes and calmed some. A rumbling came from his throat. The promise of an ill nature if she came any closer. I
3: understand understand your words, words,
1: Guile. What are you doing down here? here? Ashton flinched the intrusion into her mind.
0: My apologies, apologies. great Great lord Lord of of the waters. It was not our intention to intrude or disrupt. My sister and I are simply looking for a way out.
1: You must have gotten down here somehow. Go back the way you came and you'll get out. His head started to sink back into the wall, but Ashton reached out with her thoughts.
0: Wait! Wait, Please! please. Please. We cannot cannot go back that back that way!
1: The dragon stopped, halfway gone into the wall. Why not? not?
2: What is going on? Is it talking to you?
1: Unlike Ashlyn, Kinade's abilities were not very strong. She could create fire on her own, on very rare occasions, but that was the extent of it. Shh. The older sister barely spared the younger a glance before answering the dragon. Death
0: Death awaits awaits us us if we return return from whence we we came. Please, Please great, dragon. great dragon, we are in need of your permission to pass, and, and if you would be so kind, perhaps your help. help.
1: The dragon considered the request a moment before turning to gaze at the girls. You smell like ashes, and it bothers my senses. Ashlyn smiled despite herself. It was a very juvenile thing to say for a creature who had the ability to live for hundreds of years. His size would not have given his age away, as it varied from dragon to dragon. But now, Ashton was more amused than intimidated.
0: Forgive me. Even with the water, water, I cannot cannot escape escape the way way I seem seem to smell to smell to to the drags.
1: The dragon snorted, and pulled his head completely into the wall, before coming back out into view, and bringing the rest of his body with him. The girls moved back, Canade hanging on to her sister's arm as they saw the dragon in its entirety. Like his head, the rest of his body was black and blue, and slick with slimy buildup. He had no wings, and was shaped like an oversized snake. Fully before them now, he had to hold onto the wall with his stumpy legs to keep himself above water. Tell me more of this supposed, supposed, supposed death that awaits. That awaits
0: he wants to know why we're down here. Can he understand me? Yes. He can hear you, but he can only speak telepathically.
1: She pursed her lips for a moment.
0: He is still a young one, from what I can tell, and wants to know why we can't go back the way we came. What are you going to tell him? The truth. Well... We pass, we pass here to escape the men, men who seek see to place the death of Tige on, on our heads.
1: Rightfully? Yes.
0: yes. He was an, he was evil, an man evil man that needed to be put out, out, of out of our misery.
1: The reaction from the young dragon was not one she'd expected. <laughs> <laughs> he was laughing, and it felt like something tickling somewhere in the back of her mind.
0: Death, death, death amuses, amuses you. you.
1: Mortal death is always amusing, especially when one
3: believes he has the right to kill the other.
0: That is rather rather impertinent.
3: I am older than you by several years, Guile. I have every right to be.
0: And as a water dragon, you should be showing respect to those before you with the ancient blood in their veins.
1: The dragon gave a warning rumble in his throat. Shifting his position on the wall, Kinade watched, breathlessly, eyes going from her sister to the dragon as the silent conversation went on. Respect! Respect. You're the ones ones invading 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 my territory! territory.
0: And with with your your help, help, we would would gladly leave 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 it!
1: This caused the dragon a brief moment of pause. His white eyes blinked to show he was considering what had been said.
0: We cannot cannot find find our way way without without a guide.
1: Still the dragon was unresponsive, but after a moment, he melted into the wall he had been clinging to.
0: What happened? I don't know.
1: Ashlyn stepped forward and touched the cold and slimy wall.
0: I told him we needed his help to get out.
1: Both girls heard a movement up ahead of them. And turned in time to see the dragon stick his head up out of the water. Ashton smiled slightly.
0: Come on, he's leading us out.
1: Following the dragon, they turned for the right passageway, and the last one Ashton would have chosen on her own. Being down in the dark and taking turn after turn had disrupted her sense of direction. Going right felt like they would only be heading back toward the castle, but she also knew. The dragon wanted them out of his place of seclusion and wouldn't lead them astray. She let K'nade go first, more comfortable knowing her younger sister was in the middle and not left to bring up the rear. Upon request, the dragon surfaced at another rocky area and let the girls rest again. He left them while they slept, returning when he felt them moving around in the water. For the first time since they'd been down there, It seemed Canade had lost her fear. She held her torch high, the light flickering on the walls and bouncing off the ripples they made in the water as they walked. Her eyes stayed on the dragon when he'd occasionally stick his head above water, and kept walking and looking for him when he was swimming below the surface. She was completely enchanted with the little thing, whereas Ashton just wanted to be done with him.
2: He is a good spirit to have shown us out like this.
0: (laughs) You weren't privy to the conversation. A good spirit is not quite the way I would choose to describe him.
2: I wonder how he got down here. How does he go about to eat? There is nothing alive down here except us. I have not even seen any bones in the water of what he might have eaten. I don't know.
1: Why does she look look at me like like that? Even under the water, he was talking with Ashton, and she smirked to herself.
0: I do, I believe, do she believe she may be, be a little, little smitten, smitten with, you. with you.
1: That got him to leave her alone for a while, and this time when laughter was felt through thoughts, <laughs> it was the dragon feeling Ashton's laughter. Lenny? They spent another night in the cold water. And are feeling weak from the lack of food and parched with nothing to drink.
2: What do you think will happen to Briac? Do you really think he will make it back home?
1: Another question to which she did not have a sure answer.
2: Briac has been around much
0: longer than we have, and has been through a few battles in his time. Marek may try to bring him down, and may even temporarily succeed. But you and I both know that Briac is far too stubborn and determined to get back to the Isles to stay a prisoner for long.
1: This answer temporarily satisfied Canade, and she fell silent for a few minutes. Soon, however, she questioned her sister again.
2: If you knew what he was going to do by not coming down here, would you still have left?
1: Ashton had been asking herself the same question for almost as long as they had been abandoned by Briac, and her answer was always the same in the end.
0: Yes, it would have been one or all of us canade were it a choice between him or me that I cannot tell you the outcome. Briac wouldn't have let me stay behind to take you home himself, so it would have been him to stay behind and I would not sacrifice our lives for a what-if to see us all stay together.
1: K'nade trudged on ahead, thinking over the answer her sister offered.
2: That is why you will be High Queen in Senes, and why I am content to stay at Oceana.
0: Why is that?
2: Because Oceana is peaceful, and there are no decisions as important as life and death and... Senes is one island. Part of a greater nation, and that requires diplomacy. I do not know that I could have made the decision you claim you would have.
0: No one knows what they can or cannot do until the time is upon them. What I say I would have done may not be true at all if the situation were before me. Diplomacy, decrees, it's all just
2: pretty words. Words are not so pretty when they speak of death.
1: For once, it was the younger sister to silence the older. Ashton studied the back of Kinade's head, and wondered how she could have missed her sister growing up overnight. For so long, Kinade had been the little girl that clung to Ashton's shadow. She much preferred to let Ashton speak whatever harsh words needed to be said, then come along afterward to heal a broken heart with soft words. She never seemed to mind being the follower, the child. Now, she was getting older, and becoming independent of her older sister. In a small way, the realization of this left Ashton feeling a little unbalanced. With nothing in their stomachs to sustain them, the girls tired easily, and needed to stop and rest again. Their slumber was restless, but they woke to find bread still dry, and some sort of salted meat they didn't ask how the dragon had gotten into them but ate quietly and gave him their thanks before moving on once more
2: do you remember the day you went on your first hunt
1: kennet asked some time later ashton did indeed remember it and she grimaced ever so slightly at the memory
2: mama and i were so worried for you papa was confident that you would come home in one piece
0: and i did Didn't I?
2: You did. But nothing was ever the same after that day. Everything changed.
1: That was the day Ashton had used her strange magic in front of those she'd been training with. When she killed a mountain lion with her fire alone, they knew to take her seriously from then on and no longer questioned her ability to hold her own. Ashton may have been a princess, but none could tell it from the way she trained and learned. She was serious in her studies, trying to learn all she could about the Celts and the Gales and what sort of power she had. When the men went into town for a night of drinking and women, Ashton disguised herself as a young knight in training and went with them. She would ignore the debauchery of her comrades, taking the opportunity to gain information from anyone she could about the Celtic Isles and the tales of the old magic that the Gaels possessed. Eventually, Wesley caught on, and called for her one morning before she started her daily studies. She always felt he'd never trusted her, never believed she was mature enough to know the truth about who and what she was. Looking back on her memories, she realized he had simply been afraid, and wanted to protect her for as long as he could. She could still hear him saying to her the day he tried to show her,
3: ''Do not fault me for wanting to keep you
1: safe.'' It
3: has been my motive since the day you and Kinead arrived.
1: Her reply had instantly been,
0: I would never, Papa.
1: But she had spoken too quickly. It was the first time he told her to use her fire. For as long as she could remember, she'd been commanded never to use her magic. That day was different. It was as if he needed to see it.
3: Light the candles.
1: A simple thought had the room they'd been standing in aglow. Sit,
3: and I will try to explain all that I can.
1: As king, Wesley was commanding, and ever sure of himself. That day, he'd been so soft-spoken, almost nervous. It had unsettled her, especially when he began asking questions that made no sense. What do you remember from your life in Senes?
0: I don't remember very much at all. Most of it is fuzzy. I remember being scared when Nadie and I were given to some woman to hide. I remember all the soldiers coming into town, and the vibration of the floorboards from so many heavy horses riding by at once.
3: What else? Do you remember anything before that?
0: Well, I was very young, Papa.
1: I know. Wesley had looked at her, more serious than she'd seen him for a long time.
3: But you must try and remember. Anything. Please, it is most important.
1: All she really remembered of her life before the invasion were faces. Her father's face being the most prominent in her memory.
0: I remember my father. A little, anyway.
1: And what before that?
0: Papa, I was
3: only... Think, Ashlyn.
1: His insistence had been gentle... But there was a certain urgency to his words, even as he placed an old scroll before her.
0: What is this?
1: Wesley hadn't answered, but grabbed one of the candles to bring it closer over the printing.
0: Papa, what's going on? You're scaring me.
1: This small plea almost seemed a shock to the king. He looked at Ashton, who shook her head.
0: I can't remember anything and I do not know what it is you want me to remember so badly. What does it even have to do with anything?
1: Everything. Wesley pursed his lips together a moment.
3: Look at this scroll and tell me what you say.
1: Ashton couldn't understand what had gotten into her father, or the way he was acting now, but leaning over the table, she obliged. What was on the scroll meant nothing to her.
0: It is one of the ancient languages. I can't read it.
1: This seemed to almost disappoint the king.
3: Nothing.
0: Not a word of it.
1: Ashton looked again, more certain that the writing on the scroll was not something she had studied. In fact, even the way it had been written seemed somehow old. But then, something caught her eye.
0: Wait. It does look a little. That word there.
1: She pointed to a group of lines, eyes narrowing slightly.
0: That. I think it says time.
1: Ashton blinked, a little surprised to recognize anything, but now motivated to keep looking. She ran a finger over the parchment, intrigued.
0: Um, water. That right there is water. And earth. No, maybe. No, I think it is.
1: Finally looking up, Ashton shook her head.
0: What is this, papa?
1: Wesley seemed almost unable to speak. It was hard to tell whether he was pleased, surprised, or in complete shock. He too shook his head and even for a moment looked on the verge of tears. I do not know what language this is.
3: Nor does any scholar to see this Since it has come into my position, even the most educated are at a loss.
1: Silence filled the room, and it only took a few seconds of it to make Ashton laugh.
0: (laughs) No, really? What is it? It has to be one of the old boring languages I looked at with my tutor before.
1: Wesley did not speak, but continued to gaze at his daughter with the same complex expression. This made Ashton uncomfortable and her tone grew slightly indecible.
0: What language is this, Papa?
1: I truly do not
3: know.
0: What do you mean?
1: She slammed open hands on the table and rose, no longer even slightly amused.
0: How can I know a language that you do not? How is that even possible?
1: Lower your voice. She was feeling riled, but not beyond the ability to listen. Sit, please. I will try to explain. Wesley started to gather up the scroll, but Ashton stopped him by placing a hand on the top of it. He left it alone and sat down.
3: I will ask you to remember your tone.
1: I've no doubt that at one
3: point or another you will feel the need to express that rather audible temper of yours. But please.
1: Ashton nodded soundlessly and sat back in her chair, fully prepared to listen.
3: Before your father had you, there was an island just off the northwestern coast of ibes Mogro Island. You have heard of it mentioned in your studies.
1: Ashton nodded once more. It was a place she'd heard of only a handful of times, and not much had ever been said about it.
3: The island was small. If it was as large as Nivar, I would be surprised. But it need not have been large to be intimidating, or a threat to anyone. There was nothing on Mogro but trees and one small mountain. Again, nothing at all to concern oneself with. It was what the mountain contained that made the island so important.
1: She'd guessed a dragon.
3: Yes, Heartland, a dragon and she was as terrible beast to anyone that would enter her domain. For generations she was there, and she became a target for game long before she became a legend.
0: I've never heard this legend.
3: For good reasons, I assure you. Countless men, kings, nobles, simple county peasants. Many lives were lost in the pursuit of this dragon.
0: Why? Was she a danger to people?
3: Not at all.
0: I would be pretty grouchy if someone tried to enter my cave, too.
3: As would I, especially if I were predicting something precious to me. Like a baby dragon? Some wondered, and you know how priceless hatchlings are to poachers.
0: Don't remind me. I think hunting dragons is disgusting, especially the Gaelic ones.
3: I could not agree more, but many still hunt them. Money is a powerful motivator, even to the gentlest of men, and there was a high reward for every part of a dragon. In most places there still is, though not as high as the payment for unicorns. But they pursued this dragon for the sheer sport of it. The more men to die at her talons, the greater the challenge. The greater the challenge the higher the reward. As years passed and her drakelands would have grown, it became very apparent that there was no offspring. Never were they seen to take to the skies for hunting, and for that matter, neither was she.
0: Then how was she
3: getting food? If there were always men coming
0: to hunt her, as you say, then it would be folly to leave, even to sustain herself. Her treasure would be vulnerable just as she herself would be.
3: But then, as you ask, how did she stay alive for so long? And what was she protecting, if not her own young?
1: There was an odd light to Wesley's eyes. A strange excitement.
0: You tell me. I don't know the story.
1: No
3: one ever knew how she lived, but she thrived in even the continuous hunts. It was your father who solved the mystery, part of it at least. Your father went to Margrove Island with a skeleton crew, and when they returned to Saness, none of them were quite the same as before. When they were asked about what they had found, all remained silent on the matter.
0: So? What happened? What happened to the dragon? Did he kill it? And why wouldn't any of the men speak? Why wouldn't he? Did he find what she'd been protecting? And why have I never heard this story before?
1: The excitement Wesley had before had faded, replaced once again by the solemn look of apology.
3: Your father was never one to take a life for sport or bragging rights. What truly happened on that island only your father knew. I would like to believe he told me the truth of it, but I cannot be certain. What my brother told me was that he left Senes with three men to his crew, and no more. Upon reaching Mogrow Island, he left strict orders, telling those men to stay on the ship, no matter what they saw or heard. If at any moment they feared he had been lost, they were to sail for home, but there was never a need to worry. The dragon, as it would turn out, had been waiting all along for your father.
1: Ashton blinked her surprise and Wesley nodded.
3: Countless years of being pursued only to wait for the moment she met him. When he approached the mouth of the cave, nothing could be heard or seen of her, but the reflection of her eyes, like a cat who had been caught in a shadow gazing at you. She did not snap at him, did not growl. At first she did not even move, but looked at him in her disembodied darkness. It was a moment of judgment on both parts. Your father trying to decide whether or not to get closer, the dragon deciding whether or not to let him.
0: I can picture it.
1: The memories she had of her father were fuzzy, but his face was something she would never forget. He'd had a kind and gentle face, beautiful hazel eyes, and blonde hair that was always soft, and just brushed his shoulders when he wore it loose. In her mind, Ashton's father actually looked like a younger version of Wesley, though Wesley had been the younger of the two.
3: He went in, didn't he? He went in. At least he started to. As soon as his feet touched the darkness, the dragon made the strangest sound. She was thrumming.
1: Wesley's smile was soft.
3: That beautiful vibration of peace, coming from her very core, making the walls and the ground of the cave tremble ever so slightly, was her way of welcoming him. He entered, and the cave was lit in a fire more amazing than he had seen in his life. The heat of it was grand, but not overpowering, and the colours were like nothing he had seen before. Looking at the dragon, he finally saw in her, all her glory. Her scales were golden and almost too dazzling to look at in the light of the fire. When she moved, her eyes stayed on him. Blue-green probes to take in his every breath, and the thrumming did not stop. There was no danger there, and both knew it. When she drew upon him and put her giant maw very close to his face, He did not flinch. Instead, he reached out a hand and placed it on the side of a red. The scales felt like living heat but did not burn. They were hard as steel. She closed her eyes and leaned into him. All at once her figure changed, shrinking and turning into that of a human in the space of but a few breaths. The dragon was no longer there. But instead, a maiden more beautiful than words could ever express.
1: Ashton's smile was wide, and her green eyes full of understanding.
0: She was a gale, a human who is also a dragon. Oh, how wonderful!
1: Except she realized at once how much of a risk she'd taken by revealing herself to Nier.
0: But that's dangerous. There aren't any ordinances off the aisles to protect them from poachers.
3: I believe she chose to reveal herself despite the danger because she was tired. Not in the physical sense, but of the weight and the fight.
1: Ashton rested her chin in her hand.
0: But what was she waiting for?
3: Someone to take her home. Someone to love. That was what she told your father when he asked her years later. Beautiful and small. She always looked gentler and more frail than she really was. Her hair was long, reaching down to her waist, and curling at the ends, golden as her scales had been. Wesley smiled, almost to himself. The only thing that gave away her true temperament was her eyes. There was a fire in them. A light of hidden
1: mischief. Ashton's head tilted slightly.
3: You
0: speak as if you knew her. Or know her. Is she still alive?
3: I did know her. Rather well, in fact. She was someone a person could never forget. Beautiful beyond description. Charming, winsome, and fiercely loyal. Once she was by your father's side, she never left.
0: By his...
1: Ashton sat straight and stiff with brows drawn together.
0: Wait, are you telling me that this... This dragon was my...
3: Your mother. Yes. Her name was Shibon. And she came home with your father disguised as one of his crew.
1: Nothing came from Ashton's lips, and she stared at Wesley dumbfounded. Dozens of questions, demands for answers. A gamut of emotions ran through her head. It was nearly impossible to choose any one to begin with. How? It was as far as she could go before other words, other thoughts distracted her. Finally, blinking, Ashton shook her head, running a hand over her braid and wetting her lips.
0: I. I don't even know what to say.
1: Wesley looked at his daughter with a small amount of pity.
3: Do you believe me? Because that is what is most important. You must know that I have never once lied to you, and I would not change that now. I know.
0: That is why I don't know what to say.
1: She lifted her eyes from the table.
0: If Siobhan was my mother, and she was a Gale, what about me? And Knade? We've never. I mean, I can make fire, sure, but I've certainly been angry enough to lose control and turn into a- And we don't even know if Nady has the ability of fire because she won't even try.
3: There is much we do not know. There were times where we were afraid that any given tantrum would be the one to trigger something, and you would change. It was one of the reasons I was so nervous to let you train in combat. If my
0: mother was Gaelic, then it should have passed on to me. Nadie and I should have known what we were inherently, and we should know how to use it by now. Right?
3: There is more to the story, Ashlyn.
1: Wesley pulls yet another book from his vast collection.
3: It has been written that there was once, before humans ever inhabited the land, a world where many living beings existed. "'Giants, goblins, fairies, rocks, sphinxes, merfolk, creatures unmeasured in number, except for the dragons. "'Only six dragons with abilities uncharted. One dragon for every element.'"
1: As the page was turned, Ashton's fingers moved in silent calculation.
0: "'Earth, water, air, fire, light, and darkness.'" But what do these six elemental dragons have to do with me or my
3: mother?
1: Wesley turned his eyes back to the book in his hands for a moment, and read aloud.
3: The dragon of water was low to the ground and long in body. No wings did it have, for no wings would it need. Fire was blood-red, with deep as sharp as iron. She could withstand the most brutal of attacks, and her scales would burn to the touch. Air... Had breath that was cool and fresh. His glorious body, the colour of clouds. He was gentle and kind, but brought storms in dark skies when enraged. His counterpart, Earth, had scales of gold. She had a temper that was contained on the fair days and deadly on the foul. Wait a minute. Light and shadow were hardest to control. Both thought they were the best of the pride both vain in their looks and their gifts. All six were able to change their forms later on in their lives, taking on the shape of humans, as well as...
0: Papa! Are you trying to tell me that my mother was one of them? One of the elemental dragons? Are you telling me that she was Earth? How much of this did you actually think I would believe?
1: Reaching over the table... She grabbed the book from Wesley's hands and closed it. She closed the other book as well, and left them atop the scroll with the ancient language.
0: You actually had me convinced for a little while, but then you went just a little too far with this last part.
1: Wesley's pursed lips parted as he started to speak, but Ashton stood up, disappointment in her expression.
0: If you wanted to make me think that my magic comes from a dead bloodline so I'd stop asking questions and searching on my own, it didn't work. You lied to me for the first time, and it didn't work. Now I'm just going to work harder, and I'm going to do it alone."
1: There was nothing Wesley could say to stop her or reason with her. Ashland brushed past him and ran. Within moments of her exit, the candles went out, and Westy was left alone in the darkness.